Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The book of Genesis is the very first book in the Bible, and for that reason, it has been called the book of beginnings. Today's broadcast looks at the actual beginning of sin. It looks at when sin first came into the world, wreaking havoc on all generations since that time. It all goes back to the Garden of Eden, when the first man and woman were created and walked in perfect fellowship with their creator God. How long this went on, we really aren't told. But we do know that there was an exact time when this idyllic existence came to a tragic termination. They traded off their kingdom with just one simple act of disobedience. They turned away from God and believed a lie. With horrendous consequences, not only for them, but for all of mankind. Guilt, shame, spiritual darkness, and eventually death followed. The generations of human beings from that time forward became infected and infested with sin, with the awful results seen in a world such as ours today. Evangelist Mr. Stephen Harper begins his message by first reading passages from Genesis chapter 1. I think we can all enjoy and all benefit from these Old Testament examples of the gospel and of salvation because the Bible tells us that the things written before were written for our learning. So we're going to look at some Old Testament examples of the gospel. And I want to go back right to the beginning of your Bible. I want to read from the book of Genesis tonight. It's the book of beginnings. And so we're going to read in the book of Genesis, I suppose, about why we need a gospel. Why is there a gospel? What is the need of the gospel? And what does the Bible tell us? What does God tell us in his word Uh, just at the very beginning, about the gospel message. So we'll read Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. This is towards the end of the creation story. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing, that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then look please at chapter 2 and verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. 
Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, the snake, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Adam was very good at trying to pass the buck, wasn't he? But the buck is not so easily passed. Look down, please, to verse number 17. Unto Adam he said, God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And verse 22 says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. God created light and life and love. I wonder, did you ever think about that? God created love because he made a man, and although we didn't read the words together tonight, we could have read that God saw and said that it wasn't good for the man to be alone. He needs someone to be with him. So it was actually God who created Love. He brought Adam and Eve together in a loving relationship in the garden. God created light and life and love. And sin caused darkness and death and hatred. You see, sin is a dreadful thing. When God had finished creating, he said that everything was very good. Light, life and love. It was very good. God was pleased with the work that he had done. And yet as we look around us today, we discover that this world, although here and there you'll see light and life 
and love. Really, the tenor of the world, the thrust of the world that we live in is very different. And you couldn't really say that it is a very good world. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of hatred and fear. That's not the way that God made the world. What's the problem? Well, the problem is what happened in Genesis chapter 3. It's what we're going to think about this evening. Many of you are familiar with the story of Genesis chapter 3. The history of how sin came into the world. I want us to remember that the ramifications, the consequences, what followed sin coming into the world is very serious indeed because the New Testament tells us as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death has passed upon the whole of humanity because all have sinned. And the Bible When it speaks about death, it so often is speaking about the eternal and the spiritual consequences of sin. I want to think this evening in very simple terms. I want us to think, first of all, about a very simple command. A very simple command. You see, God provided everything for the comfort and for the well-being of Adam and Eve. He'd created them, he'd brought them together, and the Bible says that he planted a garden, and this garden was full of every good thing that they could ever have hoped for. And God said, feel free, it's yours. In fact, God put them over the head of the creation. That's why mankind and the state that mankind is in just now, that's why it's so it's so disappointing and it's so frustrating and it's so shameful because Actually, mankind was made to be at the very pinnacle of creation. Everything was for man. And it was to be under his control and under his dominion. He was to exercise authority and control over it. But we can see that the whole thing is spiraling out of control. And there's chaos because humankind has forfeit that position at the the very pinnacle of creation. But God had made a world for Adam and Eve, that was was really idyllic. It was a perfect world. It was a place where they could thrive. It was a place where they could be happy. It was a place where they could be blessed because as we were thinking last week, I'm trying to emphasize over and over again, God is not against you. God is for you. He's always been for you. And so when he made his creatures, he put them in a place that was perfect to meet their needs. But in God's wisdom, there was one tree that was prohibited. Just one. I don't know about you, but I find that my heart is so twisted. And my heart is so perverted that I'm kind of annoyed with God that he prohibited anything. You say, you know, you think about this great, this great creation that God made and this wonderful garden into which God placed them. And if you're like me, you're saying, but why did he forbid one tree? That's the way our twisted minds work. We don't think, wasn't it wonderful of God to provide such a multiplicity of different trees? He met their every need. But we're so twisted in our thinking that we get hung up on the one tree that God said, in his wisdom, you mustn't eat that fruit. Is that the way you think? Do you think God was unreasonable to say there was something, there was one tree that that they needed to leave alone? Do Do you think that it was unreasonable of God? I think if most of us are honest, we have to search our hearts and say, you know what? Deep down in my heart, there's something that says it was unreasonable of God. 
But the truth of the matter is it wasn't unreasonable of God. God was the creator. God was the one who provided everything. And in God's wisdom, I can't say that I can tell you even now why it was God's plan to prevent them or to prohibit them from eating the fruit of that tree. I I don't know. But in God's purpose and in God's plan, and God is the creator, having blessed them with so much blessing, God says, now in my wisdom, I say there's one tree that you must leave alone. It's a very simple command. It wasn't difficult. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't obscure. It wasn't something that they could stumble over or that they could miss. It was very, very simple. You can enjoy everything in the garden, but leave that tree alone. The fruit of that tree, leave it alone. Why is it that you and I seem so compelled to go after the thing that we're told to leave alone? Why is it? I don't know, but it's true, isn't it? We feel compelled to go after the thing that we're told to leave alone. And sin's not a complicated matter. And this sin wasn't a complicated matter. It was very simple. Just leave the fruit of that tree alone. But if we have a simple command, I want you to realize, I want you to see that in this story, we have a very selfish choice. A very selfish choice. You might say, well, what was the choice? Oh, the choice was whether to eat bananas or whether to eat mangoes or whether to eat this or that or to eat The forbidden fruit, whatever that was. I don't think it was an apple, by the way. But you might say, well, the choice was... No, no, the choice wasn't whether to eat bananas or whether to eat pineapples. The choice was, am I dependent upon God or am I going to express my defiance against God? That's what the choice was. The choice was, am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? Because the command was simple. And the choice is still the same for you today. The choice for you today is, do I comply or do I not? My creator, my God, in his wisdom has made certain things the way he has made them. And he has said that certain things are good for me. And by the way, everything that God says you should leave alone, he says, leave alone because they're bad for you. You see, there's this notion abroad that God somehow is a spoiler, that God wants to keep you back from things that will be good for you. And that's not true. I don't know if you sing it here or not, but we used to sing with the youngsters back home, S-I-N, sin, S-I-N is a very little word, but it always spells disaster. Did you get that? S-I-N. Three little letters, but it always spells disaster because Everything that God has said, you should leave that alone. God says leave it alone because he knows that it will destroy you. How many people have thought that they could have sin at their fingertips? That they could just have the the world and all the pleasures, the sinful pleasures of the world. That they thought they could just keep it at their foot like like a soccer ball. And they could control it. And yet they discover that actually sin is not so easily controlled because it's like a monster that comes and eats you. And so the choice is simple. Does God know best or do I know best? Am I going to express through obedience, am I going to express my dependence upon God or am I going to express through my disobedience, am I going to, in a selfish way, am I going to express my defiance against God? And that's the choice that faces you today because God still tells you what's good for you and what's bad for you. And God says, 
that if you want to be blessed and if you want to be happy for all eternity and if you want to know the joy of eternal life and if you want to have the certainty of heaven and a home with him, you need to trust Christ and that'll be good for you. Some of you will say, I know better than God does and you will raise a defiant fist in the face of God. Unrepentant and unsaved and really what you're saying is, I know better than the one who designed me. I know better than the one who holds my life and my breath in his hand. I know better. It's just the same choice that Adam and Eve had to make. I have to go very quickly. You know that whenever they defied God, you know that they were stricken in their conscience. You know that they were stricken in their conscience. Something happened. You see, the enemy, the deceiver, Satan is a deceiver, by the way. He's always been a deceiver. He always tells lies. And he tells lies to young people. And he tells lies to older people. And sadly, although we've been lied to so many times, we still believe the lies. But Satan said, see if you defy God, you're going to find a wonderful world of freedom. A whole new world is going to open up to you. And you're going to find light and you're going to find liberty and you're going to find new life. You're going to find that everything is better. And you know what happened? In the very moment that they did what God said that they shouldn't do, they discovered that Satan was a fiendish liar because all the freedom that he had promised them, it instantly became bondage and slavery. And the light that he promised them and the new life became to them darkness and death. And in an instant, although they had quite happily existed together in a loving and shameless relationship, in an instant they discovered that they were naked. They knew that they were exposed. What happened? They discovered that the light of God's presence was shining into the darkness of their hearts and of their existence. And instead of feeling liberated, they realized that they had brought themselves into bondage. And humankind has been under the bondage of sin ever since. And we discover that the things that at first we think we're going to enjoy, we discover that they bring shame upon us. Be very careful what you get involved with because the devil will promise you excitement and he'll promise you life and liberty. But those things will bring you into shame. Sometimes when I'm preaching in the open air in Malawi, I'll get, you know, there'll be a rough and tumble of boys over here and they're the big lads and they're the ones that have been using the dope and they're the ones that have been drinking the booze and all the rest of it and they're all full of bravado. And I'll usually just stop and I'll say, now boys, say, would you want your mother to know what you were doing last night? Let me ask some of you this evening. Would you want your mother to know what you were doing last night? Would you want your mother to know or your father to know what you were involved in in the course of the days that have just passed? Would, would you want all of that to be known? The old preachers used to say, what if we could take a blackboard and write the sins of the past week on the blackboard? How comfortable would you be? I think most of us would be very uncomfortable, wouldn't we? Because there's shame associated with sin. Shame. And Adam and Eve knew about the shame. They knew about the shame. And there was a searching call. It was just this, where art thou? They'd hidden themselves because of the shame. They'd sought out darkness. They'd sought to hide. And the call comes, where art thou? Here's the first call of the master. He came into the garden and he calls into the darkness, if you like, Adam, where are you? And on behalf of Christ, I'd say, where are you? Where were you last night? Where were you during the course of the week? Where has your sin taken you? Where are you? Where are you? In the sight of God, 
It's a serious matter. There are other questions. Who told you that you were naked? Their conscience told them. Have you eaten? Have you done that thing? These are good questions for men and women and boys and girls to face. Have you done the very thing that God said you ought not to do? I think your conscience speaks. And here's the searching call of the voice of God and the very, very serious consequences. You know, sin had serious consequences then. It brought a curse. It brought captivity, bondage to sin. And it brought a closing of the way to God. And sin still has consequences today. And all of us, we find ourselves under a curse. And all of us, we find ourselves slaves to sin. And all of us, we find ourselves closed out from God because of sin. But it wouldn't be the gospel if we didn't get here. There was a sacrificial covering. They made such a pathetic effort to cover themselves up. Just like so many sinners in the world today. The pathetic efforts that people make to try and cover their sin. Only one thing would do. A little innocent victim had to die. God would take the skin of that innocent victim and he would give them coats of skin. Something that would restore their dignity. Something that would cover the shame. Something that would make them fit for his presence again. And you know that the message of the gospel is that that's what God has done for you and I in Christ. Christ died upon the cross to provide a means whereby you and I might be lifted out of the indignity, out of the shame of our sin and removed from under the curse of our sin that will take us down to a lost hell and make us fit for the presence of God. Only Christ can do that. Will you remember that question? God calls to you this evening, where are you? Oh, that you would come out of the darkness and into the light of his presence and let God deal with the matter of your sin. Yes, my friend, only Christ can restore the lost relationship between Adam and God. Only he can restore your relationship with God. He did this by paying the tremendous price of sin on Calvary's cross. He took the punishment that you and I should have borne, and he saved us from a lost eternity. So how about it? Have you come to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Well, you need to. There is no other way. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. 
and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.